Hi, this is Ryan. This episode of MASH Matters is a tribute to the late, great Gene Reynolds. However, it was recorded the day before we received the sad news that Kelly Nakahara had passed away. So Jeff and I went back and recorded a short tribute to Kelly, which you will hear at the end of this episode. Thank you for listening. Now, on with the show. Attention all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. Welcome to MASH Matters, celebrating the greatest television show of all time. I'm Ryan Patrick, alongside Mr. Jeff Maxwell. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Ryan. How's everything going this fine, fine podcast day? <laughs> it's great. It's great. Hey, you know, this is uh, this is going to be a very special episode because we're going to be paying tribute to a man who deserves every great thing that everybody has said about him, Mr. Gene Reynolds. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he passed away on February 3rd and we had already recorded our last episode when he passed away. So we didn't really get a chance uh, to talk during our last episode about the greatness of Gene Reynolds. And in some ways, I- I'm OK with with that because it's given us a little bit more time to get some feedback from some other people who knew Gene very well. And now we're able to bring all of this to you in this episode. So we're going to talk a little bit about Gene Reynolds and we're going to hear from uh, some of the MASH family, their thoughts on Gene Reynolds. And then in a little bit, we're actually going to talk to Mr. Burt Metcalf, executive producer of MASH, who spent many, many, many hours working alongside Gene Reynolds. We're going to hear some great stories from him as well. So just a very special episode about a special man. I unfortunately never got the opportunity to speak to Mr. Reynolds. But before we we jump in, Jeff, I want to open it up and ask you your general impressions of the man Gene Reynolds. Well, I thought he was a very, very brilliant, talented, elegant, clever, wily, tough, (laughs) friendly human being. He's one of those people that sort of jump out. And uh, when you're around him, you go, you know, this is somebody special. And what does that mean, somebody special? Well, I guess in the context, it means someone who is able to navigate a very complicated process of producing uh, a television show and navigating not only the artistic portion of it, from writing, scripting, acting, but also to navigate the business of it, because it's a very complicated thing to get a television show on the air, keep it on the air, and then negotiate with not only studios, but networks. And so in terms of special qualities, he brought whatever he was as a human being, which was this gracious, nurturing, friendly person to that. And so I think that set the tone for the show. And I think it set the tone for all of the shows that he was connected with. So yeah, he was special in that way because lesser folks with a perhaps lesser character uh, would have been more affected by the pressures of creating, producing, and keeping a television show on the air and herding uh, high wattage actors through it <laughs> with a great deal of uh, uh, grace and care and dignity. So that's why he was a special guy to me anyway. And I'm guessing that kind of personality that he uh, had and uh, the work ethic that he brought is rare in show business. Mm -hmm. You sometimes get bits and pieces of that in people, but rarely do you find all of those traits in one person. Agreed. Yeah, I think it's probably rare also in other businesses and just in life. 
you know, this was a man who people really cared about and he cared about everybody else. And so when you have that kind of trade-off, and certainly he wasn't a perfect human being, he had his flaws and issues, but boy, as a general rule, he was a guy who was really there for you and for everybody and uh, made it very clear that's who he was. And I think that's why he got so much support from the actors, from the crews to the business people that he had to deal with. Yeah. Special guy. Special guy. And what a career. It started back when he was 11 years old. One of his first roles was in a film with Laurel and Hardy. He was a child actor and then appeared in over 80 films and television shows. Mm -hmm. he, he kind of found a niche playing there for a while when he was young. He would play younger versions of characters played by some of the top stars. Yeah. You know, he was young Don Amici and then he was young Tyrone Power <laughs> and young Jimmy Stewart. But he had a, a career as a, a young actor. And then in World War II, he went into the Naval Reserve. Following the war, he, he uh, continued to act. He even showed up on I Love Lucy. There's an episode called Lucy Hates to Leave. Gene Reynolds plays the husband of a couple who are going to buy Lucy and Ricky's furniture and move into their apartment. <laughs> and then after having a pretty uh, substantial acting career, then he shifted into writing and directing and producing. He wrote and directed Leave it to Beaver and Andy Griffith Show and Hogan's Heroes, F Troop. And then, of course... Uh, what he's most known for in 1972, uh, Gene Reynolds helped Larry Gelbart develop MASH. Mm -hmm. He went on to produce 120 episodes of MASH. He wrote 11 episodes, directed 24 of them. He went on to create another acclaimed series, Lou Grant. But of course, he is so well known for MASH. He, he won six Emmys. He was nominated for 24 Emmys. You know, the New York Times referred to him as the architect of MASH. It's one thing to executive produce a show, but he was an architect. He built it from the ground up. He and Larry Gelbart working together to create something that would go on to change television. I mean, what would television be like without Gene Reynolds? Because without Gene Reynolds, he doesn't bring Larry Gelbart on. Those two do not work together. MASH may still have some kind of uh, life, but you have to imagine that without Gene Reynolds and Larry Gelbart working together and bringing the magic that they collectively were able to bring, you have to wonder, would MASH have been the success it was? Would television have been impacted in the way it was had Gene Reynolds said, you know what? No, I don't want to do the MASH. Very well said. Absolutely. I mean, without those two and without certainly Gene's vision for a understanding how to find the best writer that he could and going after Larry Gelbart, knowing that combination was going to really help the show. And then knowing that Alan Alda was the right guy to play Hawkeye. So this, these kinds of instincts that this man had was just phenomenal, really phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. A phenomenal human being. And Jeff, you were able to connect with many members of the MASH family and get some of their thoughts on Mr. Gene Reynolds. And what we're going to do now is just uh, go through and read some of these messages from cast and producers and uh, some other folks as well. Yeah. And forgive us for just kind of reading this, but these are the messages that uh, come from all of the MASH family who uh, expressed their thoughts about this incredible guy. So we're just going to read him and in no particular order. Um, so from Gary Berghoff, he says, Gene is the one person most responsible for the phenomenal success of MASH. Perhaps even more important, he was a great human being. He was responsible for creating the MASH chemistry, the feeling of family that millions of Americans recognized and fell in love with. 
It was Gene who brought us all together, nurtured us, grew with us, and created the free-spirited, creative working environment we were so blessed with. It was Gene, Gene, Gene who hired Larry Gelbart to assure that the written material matched the level of talent and integrity of the cast he had handpicked. In recent years, I've been so proud to have been listed by Gene as his friend. He was the greatest man I ever knew. You have asked us for a statement from the heart. When speaking of Gene, there is no other place the words can come from. Weren't we lucky to have him? Another of God's great blessings in our lives, as always, fondly, Gary Burkhoff. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to get through these. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. From Mike Farrell, one can go on for some time lauding the personal qualities that Gene invested in every project with which he was involved. But what is often missed when considering his body of work are two things, his commitment to making a positive social statement and the innate humility that caused him to step aside and put those with whom he worked before him. Finally, in terms of bringing dignity and honor to writers by making a contribution to the industry and the community at large, there are others whose names leap more quickly to mind when the show is mentioned, but there is no single person more responsible for the extraordinary power and impact of MASH, no one who should more appropriately be credited with creating a television show that became a social phenomenon than Gene Reynolds. Mm. Boy, oh boy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Etsy, and from Jamie Farr. The majority of any success I have enjoyed in my career, I owe to Gene Reynolds. He saw in me and in many others of us who worked MASH and any of the other series he was in charge of, the talents that other producers had not acknowledged. We all owe a debt to this wonderful, talented, brilliant artist who used us as his paints to create his masterpieces. Thank you, Gene. May your memory be eternal. Jamie Farr. From a writer and producer, John Rappaport, I only had the wonder of Gene's brilliance and goodness once a week, but it was always obvious to me that he was Mash's heart and soul from the moment CBS handed him the torch. It was Gene that turned that pilot into not just a classic, but the classic, because he was truly a classic. Bless you, Gene. You know, people are writing so many wonderful things, uh, words. I I really doubt that there are other television shows where people would be so grateful to their executive producer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I, I worked with other executive producers and I, I wouldn't have felt this way about them. Oh, you would have had words about them, but they wouldn't have been pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The written word would have been slightly different in timber than these. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an amazing thing where you have this many people in a very competitive, very high, as I said, high wattage business yeah. saying these things about this guy who was their boss. And he really was the boss. Yeah. So from a guy named Alan Alda, you remember him? I've heard of him. He says, people in the rest of the world don't really know how much Gene affected their lives. He was so genuinely not full of himself. My friend and mentor Gene Reynolds has died, but his brain and heart lives on in MASH, the classic he helped create and produced and directed. He changed my life and touched the lives of tens of millions of us. Goodbye, farewell, and amen, Gene. Love you, Alan Alda. <sighs> I have to lay down now, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, do you have, can I get a hanky, please? <sighs> and from uh, from Loretta Swit, 
There is something I read amongst thoughts and prayers at memorials over the years that stayed with me. I felt in my heart when we lost Gene, it seemed to have been written for him. A limb has fallen from our family tree. Gene would say, grieve not for me. Remember the good times, the fun, the laughter, the song, the life I lived while I was strong. We will remember Gene. Always. Peace. Rest well. It's stunning. It is. It really is. <laughs> you know, anybody who's listening to this podcast, and I'm sure all four of you are really enjoying this, <laughs> you are listening to the words from the folks that you have watched for many, many years and, and love and adore as as uh, Ryan and I do. Mm -hmm. So this is coming from the heart from those people. This is right directly from the heart and guts and soul of, of everybody that we, you know, that I work with and we all enjoy watching on television. So yeah. It's pretty cool that we can bring this to you. It's a little sad. Uh, it makes me sad, but it's it's nice that we can at least share these very personal feelings with everybody on this podcast from people who we are very connected to. Ken Levine, he wrote a great piece on his website, and this is a little excerpt from that. Uh, I'll put the link to the full article. You can read it in the show notes at matchmatterspodcast.com. But from Ken Levine, he says, I'm glad I was able to thank him on numerous occasions for all he did for me, both privately and publicly, but I never felt it was enough. How could it be? When a man launches your career and makes you a better human being, how large does the skywriting have to be? So many things did Gene Reynolds teach me. Besides story construction, the value of research, the constant striving for excellence, and more importantly, the need to include humanity in everything you write. More important than killer jokes or clever plot twists was humanity. The audience had to care. I'd like to think that Gene is in the DNA of everything I write. So again, thank you, Gene. In keeping with that, I have a quote from Gene Reynolds, a couple of them, but one of them, he said, in directing, I'm always looking for the little humane touch, something that is real. It could be very, very small. It could be a hand on the shoulder. It could just be an extra lingering look on somebody you care about, so forth, just for a fraction. It could be a reaction from somebody. I'm looking for humanity, really. And that goes with comedy or drama. Well, that was the guy. That was his, you know, mindset. That was his DNA. That's what he was going for. And that's some of the things, I mean, that's why we all are so linked to this show, because he was really able to impart all that into a television show. We have a little bit of something written. It was an unpublished excerpt uh, from an interview by Mr. Mark Freeman, a friend of ours. He's an author. By the way, Mark has a new book. We're just going to give it a little plug because Mark Freeman is a terrific writer and a great guy. He's written a book about the television show Modern Family, and it is called Modern Family, the Untold Oral History of One of Television's Groundbreaking Sitcoms. It's a behind-the-scenes look at the long-running show. It's going to be available in bookstores, if there are any. Are there any bookstores left? I don't know. I think there's three. <laughs> there are three of them, yes. Three of them. Yeah. Okay. They're available at all three of those stores and on Amazon and all those other places uh, on May 5th. So we urge everybody to go out and buy it. I know it's going to be good. I've seen little previews of it. And boy, it's really fun. If you like Modern Family, it's going to be fun to look at. Yeah. And Mark Freeman, he was our first guest here on the podcast. And he wrote a wonderful article for, I believe it was The Hollywood Reporter, yep. uh, an oral history 
story of MASH that uh, went viral uh, a year or two ago uh, and really was uh, kind of the inspiration for this podcast. Uh, so in being able to do these uh, oral histories, he was able to interview quite a few people. Mm -hmm. And it looks like one of the people he talked to was Gene Reynolds. And I guess these are Gene's words, right? These are Gene's words. And you know, excuse me, Ryan, but your use of the word oral and viral is frightening me just a little <laughs> bit. I don't know why, just in these modern times. It just makes me slightly nervous, but that's okay. I understand, but it was, uh, I'm sorry. Forgive me, everybody. Okay. I'm sorry about this. <laughs> coming in my head. So Gene Reynolds said, I was under contract at Fox. I had done Room 222, which I had developed and done pilots for Fox, like uh, The Ghost and Mrs. Muir. When I first heard about it, I thought it was a foolish thing to do because it had been a very successful film, and I was hoping they would be careful with it and do an intelligent job. The danger is you either make a show with too much sex in it, with the officers playing with the nurses as though they roll over automatically, or that was all fun and games for war. That's one of the biggest problems when you're dealing with a subject as serious as war, and you don't want to take it lightly because it's very unrealistic and unfair and not grown up to do that. You're doing a comedy, but you don't want to make every Everything so childish and immature to accommodate the idea that all they want to do is laugh. With MASH, we tried to have a mix. We were discreet about the sex. Alan made that clear early. The term he used, billy goats, <laughs> indiscriminate male, male picking of females. He didn't want to do that. He was apprehensive about it and brought it up, but we were all in agreement. So this is a conversation that these gentlemen had and Gene was aware of that, you know, he helped guide mm -hmm. the themes of the show so that it would it would be realistic, but we could laugh too, which is the genius behind MASH at all, I'm completely. Mark also, I guess, had a quote from Harry Morgan about Gene Reynolds as well. Uh, and Harry Morgan said, a wonderful man. He loved everyone on the show and all the guys and gals loved him. He fit in so beautifully. He's a great guy, just a wonderful human being and so damn experienced. No matter what movie you talk about, he could say, I was in it. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah. He had, a, I'm just going to read this real quick. Dan Wilcox, another writer, another guest on the show. You know, when you're a writer, you're working very uh, diligently with the producer. And at that point, when Dan was a producer, and I think we're going to hear some interesting stuff from Bert Metcalf about this down the road, but Gene was a consultant after a while when he left the show and they used to meet, even though he, he was gone, he would meet with the writers and help work out stories and things. So Dan says, Gene is brilliant uh, with a story and worked very well with Larry. We were going to do a two-part episode about a USO tour that comes to visit. We had a bunch of incidences and subplots for it, like Klinger and the comedian uh, and Gwen Burden's character inviting herself into Potter's tent. The story was brought to us by a woman who went on a USO tour and got wounded and had an affair with her doctor at the field hospital. We had parts of stories, but not enough to fill two parts. And we hadn't laid it out. And we were going to discuss it with Gene that evening. The last polish for every script was at Bert's house. That's Bert Metcalf. Gene would come over and we would read through the next episode. Bert read him all the stories we had and Gene made notes on a yellow pad. So we had all the pieces of the puzzle. And then Gene was in high gear within 10 minutes. And within 10 minutes, he had laid out an hour of TV. That was the storyline we went with. I had never seen anything like it. So this is a guy who spent his whole life uh, on sets and in movies, and he absorbed all the good stuff that you can and was able to pay it forward and pay it back when he was associated with the show and be so wonderful with, with 
terms of story. I found an interview online with none other than Larry Gelbart, and uh, you can watch the entire interview at metvlegends.org. I will put a link to this in the show notes as well, but I would like to play this. This is Larry Gelbart talking about Gene Reynolds. Gene's, uh, Gene has played an incredibly large role over a comparatively short time in my life. You know, I, I met I met somebody the other day who was a band singer, Joe Stafford, who was a wonderful band singer with Tommy Dorsey 100 years ago. And we were talking about the wonderful swing music, you know, uh, that she was certainly part of in a professional way, and I was as a fan. And she said, you know, it only lasted 10 years, the big band era, Dorsey, James, Goodman, Artie Shaw. 10 years, and, you know, we're still listening to those records and still responding to them 50, 60 years later. What an influence. And well, I, unless I seem to be... Uh, uh, drifting off here, I, Gene was in my life for four years. But what a four years! I mean, that we you know, worked together on that series as closely as we did, as intimately as we did, as connected as we were. And I don't think it's a sign of, I, of, of uh, an endorsement of a relationship to say we never had a crossword, because you know the closest people have crosswords. Uh, just take marriage for a starter. But Gene and I never did have a crossword. We were just in sync. He's funny. He's dry. He's, he started as a child actor. I don't know how many people know that. He knows how, what it is to be an actor. He knows what it is to be a director, a producer, a casting director, a writer. I mean, he is the, he just knows it all, and he brings it all to play in the most modest, effective way. You want to say his name again? I'll do another 20 minutes. <laughs> Go ahead. That's one genius talking about another. Yeah. Boy, that's yeah. something. Yeah. I, I just want to throw one thing out, and I thought this is really interesting. I didn't know this, the way this happened, but as I read it, I, I went, wow, that's really interesting. Uh, that first shot that we all see with all the nurses running around the corner, you know, frantically going after the helicopter, mm -hmm. you know, Gene had asked the assistant director, sometimes you get the assistant director and say, hey, we need a shot and we need all these people running around the corner. So you have the nurses run around the corner. And so the assistant director is really kind of the person who goes around and sets that up. And they say, okay, uh, uh, ladies, go in here. And when we say action, you kind of run around the corner, okay? And they said, okay. So they did it. And apparently they didn't come running around the corner. They just sort of sauntered around or <laughs> trotted along. You know, they didn't really burst out of there. And they tried it a couple of times. And finally, Gene went, wait a minute, this isn't working. This is not what we're looking for. So he went over and he gave uh, the woman a, a direction. He said, they need you. He was referring to whoever was on the helicopters. Mm -hmm. And the next shot, he says, they came flying out of that goddamn tent. <laughs> they came flying out. <laughs> <laughs> and that, of course, is that's the it. iconic shot that's in the it. opening yeah. credits. Yes. So that's another level of instinct that he had. You know, maybe somebody else went, oh, okay, well, they're, they're trotting fast enough. But he didn't want, he wanted them to burst out of there like a bomb. And that's what he got. So that's that, again, that one level of instinct that that guy had that was just phenomenal. And created, like you say, that iconic shot. Yes. Now we have the uh, opportunity and the honor to talk to somebody who worked very, very closely with Gene Reynolds. So it is uh, our honor to welcome to MASH Matters executive producer, Bert Metcalf. Yes, Bert is here. Bert is here. The world is good. Bert is here. Bert Metcalf, how are you? 
I'm doing fine. Is this Jeff? This is Jeff, Bert. Yes. Yes, sir. And, and while we're on that subject, let me introduce you to the other half of this, Mr. Ryan Patrick. Ryan, meet Bert. Bert, meet Ryan. Hello, Mr. Metcalf. Hello, Ryan. Make it Bert. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for joining us today, Bert. It's a real treat to talk to you. Yeah, well, it's my pleasure. Well, we appreciate it. Bert, it, it was, it's our opinion that really there's no one other than you we felt more appropriate to share with our listeners kind of an inside perspective of the impact Gene had on the show had on you and had on everyone connected with the show, yes. including audiences. Yes, he certainly changed all our lives. So I'm going to start with something that I'm, I think I'm going to get through reading because it, it, when I read it before, just out loud to myself, it was, it kind of choked me up, but it's something that you read in the email, the MASH family email thread, and you said, yes, I could read it. So you said, this extraordinary man's talent and wisdom changed all our lives, certainly mine. What greater gifts could one small group receive? Godspeed, my mentor, my father figure, my dearest friend for over 60 years. Right. I thought that was really, really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we, we had a, a terrific, uh, close relationship of all those years. We, we started by playing tennis in the mid-50s in a couple of public courts in kind of West Hollywood. And um, uh, we just stayed uh, as constant pals for all the ensuing years. Well, so when you were you were kind of uh, coming up as the associate producer of MASH and working with Gene, did you recognize skills and abilities that he had that maybe other people in that same position might not have or not, oh, might not sure, pay attention sure, to? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Because don't forget, First of all, I had known him for many years prior to that. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I knew uh, how successful Room 222 was. And um, he'd also done um, pilot for uh, um, The Ghost and Mrs. Muir, which ran for a while, and uh, a few other pilots. And I knew that Bill Self, if you remember that name, who, I do. who was the head of Fox Television, Bill Self, after the feature came out, comes to Gene and says, Gene, you're the one. You're the one, the only one I trust with this terrific property. You know, it had been such a success as a movie. And uh, I want you to translate it into a series. It's all yours. You run it. And you know, get whoever you want, and with a bit of luck, uh, I'm sure you'll make a big success of this too. <laughs> so that's precisely what happened. Of course, he got Larry Gelbart, which was a brilliant, brilliant decision on Gene's part. Sure. And they worked very, very well together. Although, you know, surprisingly, people don't realize how much Gene was involved with scripts, not just everything else, but with story and working with Larry. They would come in every Saturday and work on stories. Gene had a great story mind and wrote several episodes on his own, which, sure, Larry would polish, but still, the idea for it came up, and uh, Gene would run with it for a while and give, give a first draft. And uh, so they were a wonderful combination. And then Gene, at the, from the very outset, before we started, said, I'm going to also get Bert to come over, hopefully, which I said yes, of course. And so the three of us, we worked so well together. We, we, we just, we were enormously fond of each other. We loved each other. And we loved the pressures that we had to go through in order to keep the show running, you know, which is considerable. Gene always said something that I've quoted many times. Once he was asked for his definition of a really successful series, a really good show, and he said, 
a successful series is the one that has the fewest number of bad episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing, of course, that particularly if you're going to go on for several years and do 25 shows a year, that not every one of them is going to be a gem. You're going to have some clunkers, and we did, but not too many. You know, I I last saw Gene at the uh, memorial for Bill Christopher. Uh Ah, yeah. And I had a chance, and I... I walked up to him and I said, Gene, you know, I used to watch you do all this stuff, watch you direct and watch you produce and watch you, you know, negotiate and navigate through a high wattage bunch of actors. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I said, I just want to let you know that I I appreciated what you did and I thought you did it with great elegance. Yeah. And he went, oh, elegance. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And I think he did. That's what I used to see him. He wouldn't think of it particularly as elegant, but but I know, obviously, you say he appreciated the compliment. Yeah. But yes, he was. He was brilliant at it. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And everybody uh, loved him, and everybody, you know, would have done anything for him as well. Exactly. You know? Uh, yeah. Exactly. Bert, this yeah. is Ryan. Again, thank you for your time today. Yes, Bert is here. Stories. My last question for you is, you stepped into the role of executive producer, and you, you filled uh, his giant shoes. And I I'm just curious, what is it that he brought to the table as executive producer that you were able to emulate in your role as executive producer? Well, yeah, that's a very good question. Um, in the first place, I would I would say in terms of temperament that we're basically the same in terms of nobody was a screamer, <laughs> if you know what I mean by that. And, and uh, you know, I think of myself as a kind of decent a uh, considerate person that certainly Gene was in spades. And and so when I got there, I, I and of course I'd known him for a long time, but but I, I could I could see that his temperament was not all that different than mine, that I wasn't gonna learn technically everything he knew or ever perhaps, but all of it in a couple of weeks. It was gonna take me a long time. Don't forget I had four years with the two of those guys, four years and then Gene for the fifth year. Gene was just an incredible producer, and I want to make sure that everybody understands that. And every decision, not every decision he ever made in life, no, but every decision he ever seemed to make on that show was the right decision. I'm talking about from hiring Larry and happily hiring me and Alan, of course, and everything, every step along the way, his intuition and his overall talent and wisdom was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Beyond which, he was also an, an incredible human being. I mean, he was just a lovely, lovely man, a dear, sweet man who would do anything for anybody, you know, on the show to make them happy. The whole concept of the actors getting to criticize the script or, or make notes on the script and give points of what they agreed or disagreed with after the rehearsal, the table rehearsal. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. No, I do. I do. Okay, good, good. We'd, we'd have the table reading at nine o'clock on every rehearsal day. We'd have one rehearsal day and three and a half shooting days were allotted for each episode. And that other half a day would be a pickup day after every few shows so that if there was something else you needed to do to pick up or to retake or whatever. But that was his idea. Then, uh, conversely, as, as charming and, and as accommodating as he can be with the people who were on his team, so to speak, the people who were part of the MASH family, there's not anything in the world he wouldn't try to do to, to make you happy and accommodate you. But 
if you were on the enemy side, which was the rest of the studio, the studio overhead, let's say, who were always complaining you're spending too much for this, or, or no, you can't have the extra rehearsal day or whatever else you needed. Those people he could fight with like a tiger. <laughs> he would never give up. He was tenacious in everything he did in terms of his quest for perfection. You never get perfection. As I told you, his opening line early in the conversation, the fewest number of bad episodes, he knew he wasn't going to get perfection, but he sure as hell was going to try. Special thanks to Burt Metcalf for spending some time with us. And Jeff, as you know, that is just a short segment of the conversation that we had with Mr. Metcalf. We got together and we were able to talk about Gene and then we got a lot more great stories that we have not played for you yet, but we are going to feature those stories and, and our entire conversation with Mr. Burke Metcalf in an upcoming episode of Mash Matters. Yeah, because Bert has a, an amazing you know journey through show business as well. Uh, he, he started as an actor and ended up being the executive producer of MASH after Gene Reynolds left. His career mirrored Gene Reynolds in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, it did. And he's uh, an exceptional guy in his own right. Yes. So the show with him is going to be really interesting because you're going to learn a lot. And you're going to hear a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff about how all of this MASH stuff really came about. Yes. And I want to do say thank you to all of the MASH cast and the folks that we reached out to and asked if we could have a, a little statement for this special tribute show. And I want to thank everybody for doing that. Um, they didn't have to, but obviously it's a very emotional situation for everybody. It's a great loss for the cast. He was the captain of the ship. And uh, not only the captain of the ship who created, helped create the show and changed everybody's life, but he was a wonderful man and a friend. Yes, thank you. And thanks to everybody who has listened to this episode and all of the episodes of MASH Matters. We do this for you. We do this for the fans. Well, I've been doing it for the 10 grand a week I'm getting, so... <laughs> What are you doing? You're not doing it for that. No, no. But seriously, thank you so much for listening uh, to this uh, tribute to Gene Reynolds. And I want to say one last thank you to Mr. Gene Reynolds for hiring me and allowing me to hang around that wonderful show for nine wonderful years. So thank you, Gene. But wait, there's more. That right there was the end of our tribute episode to Gene Reynolds. However, that episode was actually recorded the day before we lost our dear friend, Kelly Nakahara. And so we felt it would not be right to uh, let this episode end without saying a few words about Dear Sweet Kelly. And Jeff, I know how close you two were, not just on the MASH set, but in many years since. Uh, you two were very, very close. My condolences to you, sir, on your loss. Well, thank you. Thank you. And certainly my condolences to her whole family, uh, because it, it it is a a loss, unfortunately, and I think a lot of our listeners knew uh, through the podcast and through various things that were written about her that she was struggling with an illness. And uh, she did go through lots of treatment, and we were all very hopeful that that treatment was going to work and be successful. Unfortunately, in this case, it wasn't. So what happened wasn't a complete and total surprise or shock, but when something like this happens, it's always a total surprise and shock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was it's it is heartbreaking. She was a very very good friend. I met her the very first day I showed up on Mesh 
uh, and to the very last. So it's a, it's, it's a tremendous loss. And she was a great, great friend all the way through the show. And then after the show, we were very close. Very sad. You know, when we talked to her last year, and you, you can go back and listen to that interview. It was episode 14. We had the, uh, the opportunity to talk to Kelly. What a delightful conversation that was. And she was a delight and just so much like her character on the show, just full of life and happy and just joyous. And that really came through, I think, in the interview. But during that interview, she actually shared the news that she was in remission. She was doing well health-wise. So I think it was a real surprise to listeners because the last that they had heard from Kelly was that she was doing well. So I think that really did take a lot of MASH fans back when the news came out. Yeah, it certainly did to me. I uh, When we did this Gene Reynolds uh, episode, when we were talking about it, I tried to contact Kelly and say, hey, would you like to give us a comment about Gene? Because I knew she was quite close with Gene as well. Normally, I would you know, I'd email her and she would email me back within a, you know, a day. Uh, but she didn't this time. And so I tried again and she didn't uh, again. So I realized and knew at that point something was up and that kind of got me really nervous about it. But hey, you know, uh, this is life. And uh, I know, but it's been a tough, tough month. It has. Yes, it has. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it has. <laughs> yeah, this is a, this is a toughie. Yeah. And talking about how she appeared on on our interview, that is who she was. She did have an appreciation for life and great humor and great warmth. And uh, that's what made her, you know, so successful as a person and a mother and a wife and as a friend. And uh, that's what I will cherish uh, about her friendship forever. So we're all lucky to have known her. And I think people are lucky to have seen her because what we see on MASH is who she is. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's had a chance to be her friend by watching the show. Oh, that's great. That's great. So we're not going to do a full episode just talking about Kelly because we already have. You can go back and actually listen to the conversation that we had with her, and then you can honor her memory by doing that. But, Jeff, you do have a few more messages from the MASH family that you would like to share. Yeah, just, uh, you know, we all talk to each other and spread uh, good news and bad news around. And so I'll just go kind of run through a little of these. These are kind of private, but, you know, I think in this instance, I don't think anybody's going to care or mind that I share some of these with you. So Loretta Switz said, this terribly sad news is heartbreaking. Uh, She was sunshine on the set, sparkle, laughter. Everyone loved her. Everyone. My heart aches along with everyone who knew and loved her. We hurt. How can we not? Hmm. Dan Wilcox. You know, this story is Dan. I don't know whether we talked about that when we talked with her, but uh, Kelly actually set Dan Wilcox up with his wife, Leslie. Oh, really? She introduced him. She had a sense that they would be a good couple, and she put them together. Wow. And they met, they hit it off, and they've been married for a number of years. So, That's so great. Yeah, she was a little Cupid there. <laughs> and he said, Leslie and I are devastated by the news. Kelly was one of our favorite people in the world. She was the reason Leslie and I met. It was a fix-up. <laughs> Kelly had been trying to get us together for five years, but we kept fighting it off. Finally, she invited us separately, of course, to a show of her paintings. Uh, Leslie and I both went. The second we met, we hit it off. Comparing notes later, we discovered Kelly had lied to us both to get us there. <laughs> <laughs> Love, Dan. That's great. Uh, a guy named Alan Alda says, I'm so, so sorry to hear about Kelly. We all loved her so much. What a good feeling person she always was. Sensitive, kind, and talented. 
I think often how without even trying, she gave life to that spunky, adorable character in Hey, Look Me Over, and how as a person she possessed so much more. Arlene, that's his wife, and I send you heartfelt hugs and our hope that Kelly's spirit of quiet strength sticks with you always. Hmm. Mike Farrell says, I'm so sorry for the loss. A light has gone out of the world, a light that spread love and joy and beauty in every place, every time, and every dimension in which Kelly moved. May her memory continue to brighten our days. Much love, uh, Mike Farrell. Um, Jan and Bert Metcalf. Jan and I were so saddened to learn the loss of Kelly. She was a remarkable woman, a fine actress who made so much of that part, and an excellent painter. She had the most joyful personality and gave the very best hugs. Hmm. <laughs> and Gary Berghoff. Uh, Jeff, I know you and Kelly were close. She was a bundle of cheer and a loyal friend of the show. But it was her heart that shone through and brightened every moment when in her presence. I will always remember her gentle laugh, more like a musical baritone giggle. We've all lost a special person and friend, Gary. So those are just a few of the folks, uh, along with thousands of others that we've sort of touched on mm -hmm. that uh, are sending condolences and great things. But, you know, she deserves them all. She was a terrific, terrific person. Her family has asked that donations in Kelly's name can be made to Sunshine Kids, which is a uh, foundation that adds quality of life to uh, children with cancer by providing them with exciting, positive group activities so that they can once again do what kids are meant to do, have fun and celebrate life. Yeah. Your friend and her friend G.W. Bailey is the executive director of Sunshine Kids. So you can find the link there in the show notes, but it's sunshinekids.org. Org, if you would like to make a donation in Kelly's name. And again, another way you can honor her memory is just by going back and listening to our conversation with her uh, last year, episode 14. What a, what a special, special episode that was, a special time to talk with the wonderful Kelly Nakahara. And I think I'm going to go back and listen to that again. Why not? Why not? Yeah. It'll be fun. So that's it. That is the end of this episode. We will be back uh, again here in a couple of weeks with a new episode. And uh, hopefully we will just be able to answer questions and play voicemails and have some fun and, <laughs> yeah. and, and not have to do this for a long, long time. <laughs> long, long time. Although I got a headache, so I'm a little worried. Maybe. No, don't. I don't know. Don't say that. No, no, don't no, say that. Do. Don't say that. So, until next time, we love you, Kelly. Here's looking up your old address. <laughs>